Hello, greetings, salutations, cheers, and all the good stuff. Welcome to episode 24, uh, the end of February 2020. This is the pulpit. He's Bob. I'm Ron. He's the producer. I'm the lack of talent. Talent. We're here to bemuse, amuse, query, question, challenge at all for approximately 23 to 27 minutes. As a reminder, the pulpit is... Um, a place for inquiry, where to pique interest, to test tempers, and cast apologies when owed and appropriate. So since our last gathering, um, a couple of cool things have happened and a couple of weird things are ongoing. And so in no particular order, except I like to start with the obvious because why the hell not? So um, as many likely know, I, um, when I had to affiliate with a political denomination, I affiliated with the grand old party, the grand old party or the GOP or the Republicans. I always thought of myself as a Teddy Roosevelt Republican, um, because why we, we always think of ourselves in the best light, right? Um, but I always, and still lean very heavily libertarian. I have, a, I don't think a natural high skepticism bordering on cynicism of government and having served locally and at the state level, my skepticism only grew more pronounced. Why all this lead up? Well, because I have nevertheless had an extraordinarily burning interest in what the hell's going on on the Democratic side of the nomination for president process. This Last 2019 quarter and the beginning of 2020 has all the feel to me of late 2015, 2016, just the other side of the coin. When I were way back in 1415, when the Republican process started to run for president, I think there were 22 or 23 announced candidates and people I liked, like Bobby Jindal from Louisiana. I thought he was a phenomenal candidate. Scott Walker from Wisconsin. Uh, John Kasich from Ohio, um, Jeb Bush from Florida, some really good governors of successful states and, you know, important states that did some cool stuff. And then, yeah, there were some other candidates, a myriad of other candidates. I mean, literally, I think there were 23. And there, there was that gadfly, that anomaly, Donald Trump, that everyone said, I can't win. He's a goof. You know, and there's no way he can win. And I, I kept saying that after a couple, three, four primaries that he won. And then I'm watching other candidates you know, literally just go to the wayside and he kept winning. And his, you know, his percentage never really went up, but his voters voted for him. Now, fast forward to the end of 2019, 2020, and we're watching, you know, it's funny, Bob, people call him a socialist. And I know he calls himself a democratic socialist. <laughs> um, but what I, I call him Leon Trotsky. He 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 is of the Menshevik order. And for all you kids out there that have an interest in Russian governmental processes, um, because Russia interference has been you know the issue du jour for the last three years or so. Look up Bolsheviks and Mensheviks and their little political battle and how Trotsky rolled to the Bolsheviks to get a deal done with his buddy, uh, Lenin. And, you know, they had their little war in 1917 and, you know, the Red Revolution and the People's Fight 
Um, but some of the things he said and did sound eerily like now Bernie Sanders. Bernie reminds me of Leon Trotsky. I would invite him to go to Mexico City for vacationing purposes. See how that ends up. I'm kidding, by the way. Kidding. Anyway, so I'm watching this shit show of a debate before the Nevada caucus, and they're all attacking the, the former mayor of New York, Mike Bloomberg. And it just hit me at that time that this is the entire other side of the coin for the Republicans. They, the Democrats, are fractured, absolutely chaotic, incohesive, to the point where they're now talking to Sherrod Brown, I'm sure Hillary Clinton, and other potential um, convention candidates in case everyone comes in. There is no clear, decisive winner coming into the Milwaukee Democratic Convention, and maybe we'll have some white knight roll in or a compromise candidate rise from the ashes. I find that fascinating. That is absolutely the kiss of death, though I think Bernie Sanders might be the kiss of death, too. Um, I, I don't think Trump could pick a better opponent. And, you know, here we were talking about this, Bob, a little bit offline. Remember the whole Russian thing? You know, yeah, Russian yeah, Trump's a Russian yeah, puppet. At, at every turn of every day. Yeah, that issue goes away if Bernie Sanders is the nominee. Okay? <laughs> he, he, he aligns with the Russian philosophy of government. I mean, they can't say, you know, can anyone really say the Russians would rather have Donald Trump as a president than one of their own <laughs> and a guy that actually philosophically and ideologically aligns with them? No, that issue goes away. Um, and when people really learn about his true political leanings and his true thoughts, they're going to get sick. I don't know how he goes to Florida and looks at Cuban Americans in the eye and say, "Vote for me." They're gonna yeah, hate him. Yeah, so. he's gonna go to Pennsylvania and tell the coal mine workers and the folks into uh, hydraulic fracturing that they you know, he wants to shut that work yep. off. Yep. Good luck. He's gonna go to Michigan and say everyone should drive an electric car. Get rid of your get your combustible engine cars. Good luck. By the way, those are swing states that the Democrats must flip. They're gonna get their votes in California, Illinois, and New York. And they can, can you imagine if they got every single vote in those three states? Democrats think that means you win the national election. Yeah. You, it, you don't. You got to win 52 or 53 um, elections. That's how it goes. Their states and the areas controlled by the United States, they, they vote. And you got to win them all or get to 276 anyway. So it's a fascinating experiment that's going on that continues to go on. And one more side note on this. I was having lunch with an old friend today, and he is in the politics business. And we were talking about this very topic. And, you know, he he's, you know, he's a little bit upset by the cultural changes that's that are going on or the cultural wars. And he was struck by the fact that it wasn't 24 hours after Trump was elected. All of a sudden, we're a nation of white supremacists, Nazis and whatever, and we're trying to engage in this cancel culture and getting rid of statutes of Thomas Jefferson and Patrick Henry and George Washington because they had slaves. And that's an awful, vile fact. But if, if you can't conceptualize or contextualize, yeah, that's the real word. If you can't conceptualize the context in which they lived, I'm not saying you condone it. You don't. I'm saying you teach the history that it was evil then and it's evil now. 
But this idea that you're going to cancel George Washington or Patrick Henry or Thomas Jefferson is preposterous. That's what's going on right now. And the Democrats are going to put up a socialist to take care of this guy that the Democrats think is the most evil human being of all time. Post the Obama presidency, the irony of all this is palpable. So as a right-leaning libertarian, I find what's going on on the other side of the dial absolutely stunningly amazing and and shockingly uh, distasteful and I just don't get it. They don't, you know, they were making fun of Republicans a, f- a few years back because they assumed Hillary was going to walk into the presidency. What's going on with that party? Well, I think the Democrats are in worse shape than the Republicans, and that's really saying something. All right, Roberto, we're going to switch to um, some statewide politics. Since we last chatted, both the state of the state and the state of the budget have been addressed by our. Uh, dark-haired, silver or black-laced governor with that inky, binky dye job that 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 really does go back to the Bogoyevich era. By the way, he's back. He's out. And now he's silver, and he won't shut up. Um, he's amazing, that guy. What a schmuck. He is a 12-alarm schmuck. Though I do, I do now pronounce a rule. Hey, media outlets, there are no more exclusive interviews with Rob Blagojevich. Right. Everyone's had a goddamn exclusive, right? I'm surprised we don't have him here, Bob. He, uh, why couldn't you get him here, Bob? I'll work on it. Yes, because the guy will talk to anybody. Uh, he's a schmuck. He's embarrassing. Um, he's all that and a bag of donuts, but he was still over-sentenced. I'm glad he's free. I wish he'd shut up and go away. I'm sure the Democrats wish the same as well. But to Pritzker and his jet black hair aided by a ton of goo, dye, whatever he puts in it. I think some of it is kind of permeated into his brain because the seminal takeaways from the state of the state and the state of the budget is, you negative Nelly, shut up. Things are going great. I, I hearken back to the, you know, the days of uh, the emperor that has no clothes on, right? Remember his magnificent robe and only the smart people could see it? I kind of get the feeling that JB is Stark naked, picture that. Um, and he's asking us to imagine him um, sans the dyed hair and, you know, a magnificent garb that's tightly found, you know, tightly you know, tailored to his wonderful physique. I mean, he's he's selling nonsense. It, him saying things are improving doesn't mean they are. Him saying things aren't that bad doesn't mean they aren't. Him continually expanding the size and scope of government and taxing more are the realities. Own it, Governor. Okay? If you think we need more services, if you think we need more government employees, if you think we need more pensions, if you think we need to take more money from citizens, flippin' say it. And then say, you, taxpayers, citizens of Illinois, tell me if it's good or bad. But he's trying to dictate... um, really weird narrative that does not make sense, doesn't make common sense. And here's, I'll give you a, a local anecdote that fits. There was a story out of the patch of a former Hinsdale school superintendent who retired at the age of 55. Her last year, the last two years, she got really healthy bumps. Um, and her last, I think she was making 
389. So um, in her first year of retirement, she's taking 315 home. $315,000 to stay home at the age of 55 or 56. Um, no health care to worry about. That's fully funded. Gratis. She doesn't contribute. And she's going to get these big checks um, for the rest of her life. Let's assume, because it's good to assume that she's a healthy person, and let's assume, because it's a hopeful thing, generically, that she lives a long life. The amount she ends up making in her 80s and 90s will be damn near seven figures per year with compounding 3% interest rates on the continuing growing sum. So that reality is going on right now throughout Illinois. And the one thing Pritzker did say in the state of the budget about pensions was tough beans, people, tough beans. I'm not calling for any constitutional changes to the language. And moreover, we're going to have to figure out a way to just pay this stuff. Stunningly crazy, batshit stuff there. And for the governor to say, hey, don't be a negative Nelly. While that's going on, I'll tell the governor respectfully, stuff it. Fix some real problems. Quit worrying about changing the Constitution to take more money from taxpayers and start worrying about the Constitution that hurts taxpayers and rewards a public sector minority inappropriately, inordinately, and to the detriment of those in the state, such that folks are, are, are leaving. And this is one of the compelling reasons to, frankly, exit the state. So that's my postmortem on our good governor's constitutionally required speeches that occurred earlier this month, both of which were, frankly, fantastic, deceptive, and completely devoid of math. I guess that's what really bugs me. They were devoid of math. How's that for something great? All right. So I want to talk about uh, a couple of other activities handle, uh, going on in Springfield, um, one which is good. So a couple episodes ago, I promised, although I have failed to follow up in all respects on my promise, to talk about things that are good. So there's a, bu there's a bill working its way through uh, the General Assembly, came out of the House, uh, Representative McSweeney has been championing it, and he was doing this years before, and that was to get rid of red light cameras. And because of all the scandal and stink on the whole industry that has been exposed just recently, it was still stinky and scandalous back in hell when they were when they started up. And you know, when I was in the General Assembly, you know, we we had bills to try and get rid of them. Well, because the time is right, because the you know, Martin Sandoval scandal, and that is yet to really become fully exposed, is out there. Uh, McSweeney's bill came out of the House with a strong majority, although I did note looking at the roll call, there were a lot of NVs. You know what NV stands for, Bob? I do not. No vote. No vote. It means you're there. Not. You're on the floor. But you choose, you not, to choose vote. not to vote. It's a chicken shit way of saying, oh, this is a scary issue. I don't want to piss anyone off, so I'm not going to vote. The other scary way of doing that was made famous, by the way, by uh, the former state senator from the near south side, Barack Obama. It was the P. 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 What does P stand for, Bob? Uh, and don't present. go there. Present is correct. Present. So you're not saying yes or no. <clears throat> I'm just here. I'm here. Damn it. Um, I'm not Rose participating lunch. in this vote, but I'm here. And I care to be here. 
I'm present, but I'm not, you know, going to vote yes or no. Anyway, uh, Representative McSweeney's vote, a bill, I think it got 84 votes. So it moves to the Senate. It will be interesting to see if it will be taken up. It should be. It's a good thing to get rid of them. Red light cameras. Oh, P.S. Side note. This is only for non-home rule communities, which obviously excludes Chicago. So most of the red light cameras, dare I say the vast majority, are situated in home rule communities. So this will not extract most of the red light cameras in and of itself, but it is a really good first step towards moving in that direction. I would be, I mean, I know Chicago wants to do its own thing. And for Chicago, I mean, they'll, they'll be the first municipality to say, well, this isn't about safety. It's about revenue. And they'll get away with it and they'll keep it in there just for revenue. The old gig was, even back when I was mayor of Downers and some of these folks that were trying to sell these services, and I just said it would never fly in Downers, forget about it. So I killed it dead. My council wouldn't entertain it. And no subsequent council, you know, has even thought about it seriously. It, I mean, it's not about safety. It's about revenue. And if you can't come to that easy, you know, conclusion, you shouldn't vote on it. Chicago will probably say, yeah, you caught us. It's about revenue. We're keeping the money. Hell, they need it. So that was that was a bit of good news. Um, there's some other good news down there in Springfield. And Bob, this is where we're going to pivot a little bit. All right. All right, you ready? Pivot away. It's going to be a little true or false. I need you to get me get through this list. And then you're going to answer which one of these bills did Ron just make up. Okay? Gotcha. All right. One you're going to get off top bat, but I'm going to I'm going to get some other ones by you. Ready? Right to garden. Banning gas-powered leaf blowers. <laughs> gas station attendance, i.e., you cannot pump your own gas. Banning all sports teams in Illinois from using Native American names as for mascot. Mandating sex education K through 12. Banning kite flying, requiring wood burning stoves. <laughs> so if you need me to read the list again. Kite flying, ban, uh, ban stoves. You got it both. I, I thought I'd trick you with the two. I just made up those last two. Over. There's three others that I would have I would have said as the well. Last those two, two are I, so egregious. The last two I just made up right now. <laughs> I probably should have wrote down better ones. I thought it was pretty good though, right? I literally good. rolled off the tongue. So I can um, longer garden? Right to garden, mandating the right to garden as if the state has to mandate to the shitty little towns that have taken away that right. Okay, so that's the, there is a wow. right to garden bill. Wow. There is a ban. There is a bill to ban gas powered leaf blowers. I, I, yep. There was that crazy bill we talked about in an episode or yep. two but by Representative Lilly. God love her. She's a nice person. Regular or premium, sir? What would you prefer? The Texaco days from Marty McFly, right? You come yeah. out, yeah, yeah, 12-point check, and yeah, yeah, you can't do it yourself. Majewski's gas in Barrington. There you go. Old school. If you want to do that, great. But yeah. now we're going to work. Yeah. Um, and then there is this new bill to ban any use of, by the way, we should change the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago. Those are Native American words. Now, they're not meant to be mascots. But they are the symbols of our state and and major metropolis, right? Uh, it's stunning. So we got to do that. And yeah, there is a bill to mandate sex education K through twelve, 
and a whole curricula that these geniuses have derived. Oh, can only imagine. So whilst the good governor says we can't do anything with pensions, let's turn our attentions to those uh, persnickety gas-powered leaf blowers. Damn it. We're going to take care of that. Gentle listeners, the lack of willpower and will to address the tough issues always yields in favor of, hey, damn it, let's let's ban Native American mascot names and let's mandate sex education for kindergartners because you can never start them too young if they're alive. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I'm done with the state of Illinois. Okay, done. So let's pivot. We're at 21 minutes and we've been cruising to my favorite pastime, uh, which is baseball. And what I found just absolutely aggravating this morning, Roberto, good producer, I'm flicking back and forth between the two stations, uh, sports stations in the morning. I, I lean towards um, the local station. Now I'm, I'm drawing a blank. WGN? No, uh, the score. Um, just for sports. I listen to GN for news and stuff. The score. And occasionally I'll go over to uh, ESPN. But they're national and they never really – they're always on football, right? Yeah. But here's what was irritating to me today. I turned on the score, and they're and they're all about the combine in Indianapolis. And I'm thinking, and there's actually tonight, there's going to be a really interesting thought kind of experiment. The combine, for the first time ever, is on primetime on I'm sure on ESPN one, two, or the Ocho, right? Ocho. And they're gonna and they're gonna put it primetime. Now I think no one's gonna give a shit and watch. You know, even superior athletes run the 40-yard dash, um, bench press 225 how many times, do a vertical jump. I think there'll be an audience. I argue that. I think there'll be a big audience. Okay, we're going to find out. I think it won't be big because I think it's boring as hell. And But, but here's what was aggravating the crap out of me. I don't give a shit about football now. I don't care. The season's over. Um, but they talked about it on both the score and, and, and on ESPN 1000. And I had to turn the damn thing off because it's aggravating. I want to talk about baseball because baseball evokes the spring. It's coming. And then the summer. Thank God. Right. I am, you know, because this is an interesting time for Chicago baseball. You have an established contender that may have problems or maybe it was just a blip last year in the Cubs. I mean, they certainly think they're, they're built for that division. I don't think it's a great year for the division that they're in, the National League Central. They should be a favorite or two. And if their pitching comes around, they'll hit the ball. There's no question. The Sox are arguably the young and upcoming team in all of baseball, but certainly American League. So we have two teams that are interesting. I'd like to talk about that. So I put it to you, the score and ESPN, get your damn priorities in order. Or better stated, get my priorities in order. <laughs> You got it. That's my rant for the day. Not not short on ego. Um, I don't want to talk about football. I, I, hey, I, I don't watch any of it for that very reason. It's it, football 24-7. And if you look at the numbers, over. the numbers on football are going down faster than the numbers are going down for baseball. So I, I don't know if it's lobby by the NFL or what. But. All right, I have a question for you. We have yeah. How much time we got left? <clears throat> two minutes. All right, two minutes. So you were a Republican. You moved to more of the libertarian. When did that transition? Well, oh, I was always a libertarian. Really? You just can't run as a libertarian. All right, but you, you, you were a two-party state. Say that as much as you have of reason. Um, no. Secondarily, yeah. This is 2016. 
all over again. It is. And the the Dems slash socialists <laughs> or socialists appear to be getting out into the nooks and crannies of this country to rile up voting, and they're going as young as they possibly can. Yes. It will be a, in, a, a question to see the numbers. But it really comes down to, if you look at the press and what's going on and how the dialogue has changed, right-leaning stations now are literally in this almost a defense mode trying to strongly just position Trump um, almost in a defensive way against this machine that Bernie is starting to build. It's interesting. Is you know, it? Is it? Would it really be a, a, a Trump victory, or is this going to be the potential for a photo finish? So, okay. So you never underestimate your opponent in any endeavor. Politics. We saw the unthinkable happen in sixteen when Trump beat Clinton. Now, it, 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 in retrospect, some of the unthinkable components of it was because it was driven by a media that was very much aligned with Clinton. So there's that. I will give Sanders tremendous credit for never having stopped running a presidential race, even after he lost the nomination to Hillary, even after Trump beat Hillary, he continued. His organization is absolutely fabulous. Um, the Bernie bros are true believers. They're, I, you know, I, I shudder a little bit to say they're revolutionary in their love of him. That's where I said earlier on, it's Trotsky and Lenin all over. Um, I will say this, listening to the Democratic politicos and talking heads, pundits, and self-absorbed, self-appointed thinkers, they worry that Bernie has alienated and his, and his followers have alienated everyone else in the Democratic Party, and it's going to be hard for him. They query, you know, you remember, it's politics 101. When you run in a primary, whether it's in the Republican or Democrat, you run to the fringes. If you're a Republican, you run to the right. If you're a Democrat, you run to the left. And then should you be the victor in the nomination, you tacked to the central center to get the moderate independent votes. These folks that I've been listening to say they don't believe Bernie thinks he has to tack to the center, that he is an all-in true believer of his democratic socialist ways and that people will come to him. Here's the irony of this. Everyone thought Trump was going to be easily beaten. Well, they thought they were going to, he was going to get squashed by Hillary. But any moderate-esque Democrat kills Trump because of some of the personality issues he has. Look, he steps in it each and every day. But here's the irony of this. If it's Bernie, I think independents and moderates are going to lean towards Trump. Because once Bernie's record and true beliefs are exposed, people in the suburbs, women that may hate Trump, may not be so keen to give up their homes and, and their possessions for this um, socialist, unmitigated socialist that thinks millionaires, small m, and rich people, small r, all depending on perspective, should be giving up a shitload more. Look, you have private insurance. Bernie Sanders is a threat to it. You think um, college debt should be forgiven even though you've paid it? and or paying your kids, Bernie's a threat to it. Uh, he, he doesn't, there's no problem too big, too small for government to solve or create than solve. And lest you think I'm kidding, go read The Jungle or 1984 again, because these are people that really believe, you know, everyone's lives need to be managed. The food they eat, 
the TV they watch, the religion, lack of it mostly, they believe in, and th this is how he thinks. So it's going to be, if, if Bernie comes out alive, and part of me still thinks Donna Brazil, Hillary Clinton, and the machine that is the back room of the Democratic National uh, Committee brings him down somehow, or at least brings it to a brokered convention where Sherrod Brown or someone else comes out of the dust, dust that'll be damn, damn interesting. Uh, more to follow on this. I have more questions for next week on this. Yeah, we're at 29. Right. So, uh, yeah, see, I was going to be 27, but that was a good question. Bob got me riled up. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, pass it along to friends, family, and people you don't know. I'm Ron Sandak. He's Bob Marks. We're the pulpit. Cheers, rock and roll. Godspeed. Good night.